This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. It's a privilege to be back again here. And uh, again, I want to say we just love your pastors. You know, this God uh, has given us div- divine connections all over the world. Over 40 countries we, we go to consistently around this earth. And uh, we didn't try to get this opportunity. It was a, a door that God opened for us to come and connect. And so we have all these connections all over the planet. And so there's a reason why we're here today. There's a reason why we have this heartfelt connection with your pastors and family here. Last year, when I was here with you, I talked about God's dwelling place. And today, I want to share part two of this message, which is entitled, uh, The Battle for Space in God's Dwelling Place. Say, The Battle for Space in God's Dwelling Place. We are the dwelling place of God. We are the house of God. In the battle of the ages, the battle of the ages is the battle for the dwelling place of God. Since the fall of Lucifer and all those who followed him, the fight has been focused on destroying the dwelling place of God on earth. It began with Adam, continued to the Ark of the Covenant, then on to Jesus, and the fight continues to rage today against all humanity. Lucifer, listen carefully, Lucifer wants to occupy the space that God created for himself, a space that was restored in fullness through the precious blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians Chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Everyone say, I am the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hey, The difference between freedom and slavery in a nation, in a country, in a culture, or a people group is who occupies the space called God's dwelling place? Who is master and commander of the house that God made for himself? It begins with an idea if not confronted with the Word of God, can lead to full demonic occupation of the house that God made. I'll say it again. It begins with an idea, a thought in our minds, which if that thought is not confronted with the truth of God's Word, can lead to full demonic occupation of the house that God made for Himself. And in a worst case scenario, we have an Adolf Hitler, we have a Joseph Stalin, we have a Pol Pot. The enemy of humanity's plan, Lucifer, everyone say Lucifer, everyone say Satan. His plan is to infiltrate people and use them 
to rob, to kill, and to destroy. But I'm here to tell you this morning, we must put up a no vacancy sign. No borders and no rent is needed. We're not going to sublease. There are no options to buy. This house is brought paid for and occupied by the owner. His name is Jesus Christ, and it's in Him that we live. It's in Him that we breathe, and it's in Him that we have our being. If you believe that, somebody say, hey! Genesis 2 and verse 7, we see the original plan for God's dwelling place on earth. It says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Just listen carefully. Genesis 2 and verse 7, we see God's original plan for his dwelling place on earth. And it says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. When did man become a living being? When God breathed into him the breath of life. Now, the Hebrew word for spirit is koruach, which means wind, breath, air, or spirit. The word breath has the same meaning as spirit. So when God breathed into man's nostrils, it was God's spirit that came into man. Then man became a living being. Everyone say, I was made by God for God. God made the monkeys, and He made me. Two separate entities. Genesis 2 and verse 17, we see the destruction of God's original dwelling place. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you do you shall die. God speaking to Adam. Saying, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For on the day that you do, you shall die. Well, you and I know the story. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, but did Adam die? Well, the Bible says he lived on to over 900 years. So when, when, when the Word of God, or when the Bible's saying, when God is saying you shall die, what does he mean? Well, simply means at the moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, the virus of sin and death that was in the fruit came into the house of God. And because God and sin do not, cannot coexist, the breath of God, at that moment, the breath of God left, man. So the life of God left. But from this moment on in history, God, the good news, you want to say good news? God loved us so much. God loved his house so much. God loved his dwelling place so much. God loved his people so much. He begins the process. Everyone say process to restore his dwelling place again. We've moved right 
to the cross. In John chapter 19, just listen with me. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on his hip, put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing up his head, gave up his spirit. Matthew 27 verse 50 gives us another account. Just listen carefully. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What was accomplished? What was fulfilled when Jesus came? What was accomplished? What was fulfilled? And what was finished? It is so important that you and I understand that when Jesus died on that cross, it was much more than about his death and his burial and resurrection. It was so much more. It was so much more. It was only a part of the process. But as we look and as we see and as we move and as we breathe and as we open our eyes and allow the Spirit of God to open our hearts, we see that at the moment that Jesus gave up his Spirit, at the moment that he, his Spirit left him, at that moment in the temple, the temple, that veil, the veil in the temple, the veil. What was the veil? The veil was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and four inches thick. That veil is significant of sin, is significant of a separation between a whole unholy man and a holy God. Are you with me right now? The veil that was in the temple that separated an unholy man from a holy God was absolutely destroyed once and forever. And now there is nothing, there is nobody that is holding you and me back from being filled with the presence and the glory and the strength and the, and the, and the understanding of who God is, what God is. God restored his dwelling place again. Somebody say amen. Ephesians 5, 15 to 18 says, See then, having this understanding, having this understanding, see that you walk circumspectly. <laughs> Not as fools, but wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You want to say evil. Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, if it was evil then, it sure is evil now. And in America, it's important that we understand and define what is good and evil. And make a clear, a clear sound, especially in the church. A clear definition of what is good and evil must be heard in America. And if it's not the church who upholds it, then who will? If it's not the body of Christ that is that standard, then what is? The Spirit of God wants us to understand our role on this planet. We must not be fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand. Everyone say understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine within which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Say be filled. 
There are a lot of things in this world that we can get drunk on. But we must choose to be filled with the Spirit. Some of us here today, we get drunk on our sports. We get drunk on our idols. We get drunk on our television. We get drunk on people. We get drunk on this and that and the other thing. So many Christians in America, you get drunk on your Listen, there's Jesus, the brand, and there's Jesus, the person. Y'all come back now. So many of us in America, we get drunk on Jesus, the brand. Jesus, the brand, can make a lot of money for some people. For some of us, it'll make us famous. It'll give us fortune. For a lot of us, it'll make us somewhat happy. But it's important that you and I understand that Jesus, the brand, is not Jesus, the person. You were made, and you and I will never be satisfied aside from Jesus, the person. You will never, never be happy, true happiness, unless you come in contact, have a personal relationship with Jesus, the person. What are you drunk on? What am I drunk on? The battle for space in God's dwelling place is a battle for intimacy. Everyone say intimacy. The battle for space, in, there's a battle, there's a war raging for who is going to, I'll say it I'll just so you get it. There is a battle raging in the universe. Who's going to occupy the space? The victory and our lives was won at the cross. But the next battle for you and me, once receiving Christ, is who is going to occupy the space? It's a fight. It's a war in our lives. The battle for space in God's dwelling place is a battle for intimacy. What and whoever we spend the most time with will fill the space called God's dwelling place. Are you with me? The battle for intimacy, listen carefully, the battle for intimacy is a battle for time. You want to say time. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Diligence takes Diligence takes time. The battle for intimacy is a battle for time. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. 
Seeking takes time. It will say time. It takes time. I owe you time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I get up in the morning. I got to feed the kids. I take the kids to school and I come back home. And when I come back home, I'm preparing for the food when they come back home. And I go and pick up the kids and then I I take them home. And I feed the kids and then I got to take them to football. And then I got to take them to basketball. And then we go back and oh my goodness, it's the voice. It's the idol. It's the NBA. It's the NFL. It's something there, something else. And then there's my husband. And then there's my wife. Oh, and then right time. What are you talking about, Tom? I just don't have time. Time. And then, and then, and then there's the bills. And then there's the mortgage. And then there's this and that and the other thing. And then there's the, then the big house. I need the big car. I need this. I need that. I have time. I don't have time. And then, oh my goodness, go get the doctor. Because now I'm fat. And now I'm, and my body's all screwed up. I go to the doctor. I go there. He gives me a pill. I take the pill. Oh, and the pill, and next minute, and next minute, pass it, and next minute, and next minute. Dearly beloved, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate the life of that wonderful young man who was such a good man. We do not. We don't have time not to spend with God. The battle for time is won. You know how it's won? How many, how many want to win the battle for time? We're all in the same boat today. We're all in the same boat, me too. But the battle for time is won in Humility. 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 The battle for humility is won in a broken and contrite heart. King David wrote in Psalms 51 after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed her husband. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 66 and verse 2 says, For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite heart who trembles at my word. Time is created by humility. Humility is conceived in brokenness. I cannot live without you, God. I couldn't when I first began, and I can't now. I cannot live without you. I can't eat, I can't drink, but most of all, I cannot live without you. I have got to be with you no matter what happens. I want you. I want you. I'd rather have you than eat. Humility 
is conceived in brokenness. Time is redeemed in intimacy. Intimacy is received by purity. I'll say it again. Time is created by humility. Humility is conceived in brokenness. Time is redeemed in intimacy. Intimacy is received by purity. Psalms 24, 3 to 5 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. When we give our time, you must say time. When we give our time to seek God to ascend to his hill, to know him personally, he receives this as a sacrifice and redeems it. He multiplies it supernaturally and rewards us with more of him in our lives. When we give our time like a seed, when we sow our time, you say, I don't have time. We have more than enough time, but we've got to give it. We've got to make it. You've got to sow it. Unless we sow a seed of time, you will never reap a harvest of time. Daniel eleven thirty two says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The word know here comes from the Hebrew word yada. Everyone say yada, which means to know intimately. Intimacy. Everyone say intimacy. Say God wants to know me intimately. John 15, 4-5 says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless you abide in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The overflow of God's fullness, God's breath in our lives is fruitfulness on this earth. Fruitfulness comes from intimacy. It would say fruitfulness comes from intimacy. I can go to Natasha and say, babe, I want a baby now. I want a baby. I want a baby. Would you just give me a baby now? And I can yell and scream. I can give money. I can do all of it. Stand on my head if I want to. But it doesn't matter how many times I stand on my head. It doesn't matter how much money I give. It doesn't matter how much stuff I do unless there is intimacy. There's no fruitfulness. Zero. And some of us, we're so busy trying to be fruitful when all it takes is just to put some things aside, take that time, sow it in the ground, and you watch the harvest that you'll begin to get in your marriage, in your business, in our families, in all of our lives. Intimacy teaches me how to love her. Sometimes I get grumpy. How many men get grumpy? She looks at me, one look, and I'm off. I'm off. I know, I'm, I'm off. I'm off to the closet. And I come out like a new man. 
Pretty easy. Pretty simple. 2,000 years ago, the world changed forever. The dwelling place of God was restored to its original place through the blood of Jesus. When the veil in the temple was torn in two, it signified the end to the wall of separation between God and man. Shortly after, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was released into His rightful space. The enemy has tried to hide this knowledge, but God always has a remnant to reveal this truth to the world. From the early church to the Reformation, from the Reformation to the foundation of the United States of America, the gospel, the good news of the gospel has traveled all over the globe. As men ran to God with a broken and a contrite heart, He has heard their cry and filled them with His Spirit. Throughout the centuries, great outpourings of God's Spirit have been seen to shake nations and make no mistake about it. God is ready to do it again and again and again if we will make space for Him, if America will make time for Him, if the American people will make space for God again. We can be free. We can be removed from the crash course that we're on. If America will make space for God again, if the people will humble themselves and make time for God again. Life can be breathed back into this nation again. Genesis 15 verse 1, God says to Abraham, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. He's saying that to you and me today. Can you imagine of all the stuff that God could have given Abraham? You have an island in Fiji. He chose to give himself. Because you know why? When you and I have God, not only do you get him, you get his island. You get his resources. You get everything. Everything he has is yours and mine anyway. But we need him. Will we make space for him? Will we create space for him? He's saying that today. The Spirit of God is saying He is our reward. If I say, God is my reward, will we make space for Him? I'll never forget the time in my life when I first began to make space. And when I began to understand the battle, everyone say battle. I was 16 years of age. I've told you the story. In the past, of this incredible experience, how God, an incredible encounter with God, shook me to the core, changed my life forever. Overnight, my life went from focusing on my sport to just focusing on God. It was an incredible encounter with God. As a young man, I stuttered so badly, I could not speak. I could not speak. But how I overcame my problem is the more time I spent with God, God, the more he filled me with his love until one day his love in me became stronger than my fear of what people would think of me, of, of the, the insecurities or the stuff in my life. Perfect love casts out all fear. Are you with me right now? But from, the, from that moment, I, I began to discover another type of a battle. And that is the Lucifer hates people to have intimacy with God and he will do everything to take you out. He doesn't want us to have intimacy. And once we do, he will try to stop you again. 
It's a constant fight. It's a war. It's a battle. For me, I had three near-death experiences. Number one, I had this, the year after, I had this incredible encounter with God, changed my life, my focus. It was just this phenomenal experience. The year after, almost died in a car accident. The year after that, I almost drowned. And the next year, I was 19 years of age. I want to share the story as we close today. I'm 19 years of age. It's the most dramatic story, but there's a reason for the dramatic story because it's important that you and I wake up and understand that we are in a battle. Everyone say battle. Say there's a fight. All right, so I'm 19 years of age. It's the third attack against my life after this incredible encounter with God. I'm 19 years of age. I just come home from a wedding. It's 1 a.m. in the morning, and, and, and I'm in bed asleep. Suddenly, I feel like I need to go to the bathroom. I, it's about 2 o'clock. I get up, and I'm about, as, as I put my foot onto the ground, this incredible, like a terror, this terror comes around me, and it feels like someone is trying to kill me and shred me into a hole, just a tiny little pieces. And so all I want to do was to get out of there. So I put one foot on the ground, and this thing came upon me, and I jumped straight out the window, just smashed through the window. I'm running down the road. We lived at that time on the main road into my town, and so I'm running for my life. This thing's after me. It's all around me. I'm running. I'm running. I ran down the drive and up the road. As I'm running up the road, I look down, and I see I've got a massive wound here. I've got a massive wound there, and blood's going everywhere. And I, in, 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 in my subconscious mind, I think if, if something does not happen, I'm going to die for loss of blood. So I remembered four doors up from our house was a hotel. We knew the hotel owners. And so as I'm running for my life, I run up into the driveway, up to the hotel on the front door. And I am, I'm just in my underwear. It's freezing cold at night, screaming for my life. Ah, ah, just terror, terror. You think the, ah, the, the worst horror movie you've ever seen. Ah, ah, ah. The next second, I wake up in a pool of blood on the ground. I'd fainted for lack of blood. I'm in a pool of blood on the ground, shaking. This thing is gone. Whatever it was, it was gone. I get up. The doctor said, you should have died here. You should not have woken up. It was a miracle I woke up, but I got up. I don't know how long I was in that moment. I don't know how long it was in between this terror to this shaking. I get up and I go to the, I, I look at my, the wounds. And I, I need help. I go to the front door of the, it's a motel front door. And a girl from the sixth door hotel room down opens the door. She turns out to, to be a doctor. At the same time, dog has been barking. The owners come down, open up the door, look at me and go, Michael. And I said, call the ambulance. The ambulance comes. To cut a long story short, I go to the, I, I go to the hospital. I'm laying down and just mostly out of it. But they put towels on me but forgot to dampen the towels at the hotel. They put Towels, towels over the wound. And so by the time we get into the hotel, the, 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 the blood is now hardened. And so they're trying to take off this thing. I'm, they get scalpel and cut it off. And as they're taking off the towels, I'm hearing the nurses and doctors just, 
They'd never seen any wounds, never seen anything like it. That night, I go into theater surgery. I get 165 stitches. I get put in confinement. There's a media block on me. And the next day, I wake up at about midday, and there's a tall man with a, a white trench coat, and he's, he's the shrink. He's there to f- find out what happened to this young man. And so he says to me, son, you're going to have to have a brain scan. So I go and get a brain scan and comes back and there's nothing wrong with you. So then to cut a long story short, I'm there for seven days. I go home. After seven days, I go home. One month later, the exact same thing happens again. Except this time, instead of me smashing through the window, I'm smart now. I open the window. And I'm running down the road. This thing's all around me, this terror. So I can explain it. It's terror. The worst horror movie you've ever seen. Someone's after you. Ah. I'm running down. And, and as I go up the road, I hear this, Michael, stop. It's my father. He had heard what had happened. And so when he said, stop, this thing left me. And I come back to normal. And I'm walk, as I'm walking back, I'm feeling like the most just, just dead. I'm feeling like, oh, I mean, I am. I, it's the closest I've been to God in my life. I'm having intimacy like you wouldn't believe it. Just wonderful experience of God. I understand spiritual warfare. I've already been to Bible school once. I understand the spiritual realm, but I can do nothing to stop this. I don't, what is this? So I walk down, I sit on my bed. As I sit down, I'm just like, thinking I'm going mental. If it was not for the fact that that night I had two Brothers sleeping in the bedroom alongside me. And as I'm about to just to give up, I said, just said, Dad, I don't understand this. Two of them said, Mike, at a certain moment at night, we woke up and we saw the spirit, this thing just comes into the room and it goes straight for you. It went to kill you. The next week, I go to a man who deals with deliverance, spends about an hour on me, praying over me. There was nothing in me, around me. He said to me, son, this is a demonic spirit that was sent to destroy your life because of my calling and my purpose upon you. What's the point of the message? The point is is that you and I have got to understand that we are in a battle. We are in a fight. It's a dirty, stinking, rotten, spiritual fight. And God allowed me to go through that. It has never happened since, and it will never happen again. But God allowed me to go through that for this moment. This year is the first year that I've been released in my heart to tell publicly what happened in my life. Why? Because we have got to understand the spiritual fight and battle that you and I are in. Things in our lives don't just happen just because. There is a battle. There is a war that is raging. And the number one assignment of Lucifer, if he cannot stop us from finding Jesus, he will do everything he 
can to stop us from having intimacy with Jesus. He wants to stop. He wants you to be so busy. He wants me to be so caught up with my life or saving the world. He wants us to be so busy with life that we don't have time for intimacy because it's an intimacy that we find out who we really are. It's an intimacy that we are filled with the breath of life ongoing day by day, step by step. It's an intimacy that we find fruitfulness. It's an intimacy that we see Jesus and we become like Him. He's calling you and me to intimacy. It's a battle for space in God's dwelling place. We are God's house. Are you more in love with Jesus, the brand? Or are we in love with Jesus, the person? You and I were made for the person. And we will never be satisfied with anything but. Let's all stand together. Can we sing this song? Just that short line, forever I will worship. This album, which I just recorded, is about intimacy. And I encourage you, if you can, go back and get a copy of it. This will bless you. This will help you be more intimate. The psalmist anointing that I have upon me is wrapped up in this. It'll equip you. It'll strengthen you. Secondly, you can support us and help us to go all over the globe in your support if you get a hold of this after the, after the service. But I want us to sing this. I want us to open up our hearts, lift our hands, lift our hearts. And just begin to ask God, is there any rooms in my house that I need to surrender to you? Maybe it's a closet. Maybe all the rooms in your, if you th think of your, your body as a house, maybe th think of it as a house. Maybe you've got every room in the house is filled, but there's just one closet way back that you're just not willing to let him have. He wants to fill it. He wants to fill it. Forever I worship. Forever I will worship you. Forever I worship. You are wonderful and glorious. Forever I worship. Lift your hands and sing it. Forever I will worship you forever I will worship you are wonderful and glorious sing it softly forever I will worship forever I will worship you forever I You are wonderful and glorious. Oh, 
time forever I will worship forever I will worship you forever I will worship you are wonderful and glorious okay right now right now I'm going to open this altar up. And what we're going to do is this. Is that if the Holy Spirit is prodding or showing you maybe some areas in your life, we all have them, that are not filled with God like they were made to be, but other stuff is filling it. Today we're going to come, we're going to see this as an altar. We're going to come, we're going to lay those things down at the foot of this altar. We're not going to leave this place the same. We are not going to leave this place the same way we came. We're going to lay those things down and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to fill that space that was once filled with other stuff. You're going to allow Him just to fill it, fill it up, fill it up fill it up. Let's sing. If it's you, just come. Just come. Just come. Just come. Forever I will worship. Forever I will worship you. Forever I will worship. And you are wonderful. Come down here and just lay it down. Just lay it down if that's you. Forever I will worship. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel. Just come. Forever I will worship you. Forever I will worship. For you are wonderful and glorious forever. so glorious so glorious Jesus it's one more time just ask him just ask him say Holy Spirit show me show me show me Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that my body is your dwelling place. I ask you to come and live in me like you were, like I was made to have you live in me. Live in me. Have your way in me. Fill me up every day. Help me to make space. In Jesus' name, I pray for my country. Let America create space again for you in our families, 
in our schools, in our government, in every sphere of influence. Come and create space. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.